Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, a successful, successful, if I can speak today, road trip for the USC Trojans going to Colorado and beating the Buffs 37 to 14. We're going to talk about all of that with the coach Harvey Hyde. Hope you guys enjoyed your college football weekend. A lot of weird stuff going on in the Pac 12 and around college football. So we want to break it all down with the coach. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And as always, Apple Podcast, you got that app on your phone. If you would follow us, follow the Peristyle Podcast, leave us a five-star review and any kind of positive feedback, ratings, co- uh, comments, feedback, suggestions. We love all of that. You can put there right in your review. Uh, it's been great. We had an awesome month uh, last month, obviously, with the, the coaching change stuff going on. It was crazy. It was our busiest month ever uh, at the Peristyle Podcast. So a lot of people join the show. So we appreciate all the new listeners out there and the longtime ones that have been writing in and calling in and just listening to the show. We do appreciate all of that. And we, of course, we appreciate the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Coach, what is going on? How are you? Well, it's a Monday and uh, it's a different weekend in Southern California. Two weekends ago was a little bit different. You had... USC uh, uh, hanging their head with the Oregon State loss. You had UCLA with their big win at Stanford. This weekend, it's a little bit different. UCLA is hanging their head with their loss against Arizona State, and USC is celebrating their win against Colorado, 37-14. So whatever way it goes, you still have a lot to comment on, whether it's a loss or a win. There's always things to work on. On I congratulate, first of all, the Trojans on the win on the road, but we've got to look for the future, and let's see what happens. We do have to see what happens, Coach. It's already been a crazy first month or so of the college football season for USC. A couple of big road wins, but uh, not so good showings at home. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, going on the road to take on the Colorado Buffaloes and getting the 37-14 to 14 win. Um, I guess your initial thoughts, Coach, on what you saw out there in Boulder. Well, uh, I never thought that the Trojans would lose the football game as far as once again got started after I was able to evaluate Colorado. They just are struggling personnel-wise, and uh, you know, and the Trojans just out-talent them as far as in every area. I saw that uh, some good things. I really thought that the Trojans attempted to take advantage of some of the things that Colorado was doing uh, defensively by running the football, taking big splits, and uh, being able to run off tackle and not stopping just because you did it once, uh, do it again and again and bring some play-action pass off of it, which I wish they would have done a little bit more and a little bit more bootleg out of it, which I wish they would have done. Again, they uh, threw to the big guy, uh, London, and again, you know, he's such a great target. He has such great eye-hand coordination that it's so difficult for a defensive back to cover him. It's like a guard trying to cover a center in basketball. That's almost impossible, and he has fun with it, and they throw the ball up there, and he gets it done. 
I'm glad they were able to spread the ball around a little bit to the other receivers, which is something we talked about last week as far as Trigg, the other tight end, throwing him a touchdown pass, and also now in the slot position having Bryant and also having uh, Washington, quick, speedy guys, because the big guys outside will spread the defense, and these guys ought to get loose, and also that should open up the running game inside with a good series uh, of uh, of some type of continuity. Also, I'd like to see them run draws to help their pass rush against themselves. I mean, when you have big uh, splits like that, draws are almost like powers. You know, you have a three-step drop, a five-step drop, a seven-step drop, all draws that you hold the rush down where Keaton's not a moving quarterback. You know, they're basically running the offense that the Cardinals ran, and you can see what they do with Murray and what SC's trying to do with uh, a different type of quarterback. That's what I'm going to say. But I thought that Keen did a great job as far as holding the team together, lining up at a pistol and moving the back from side to side as far as what strength uh, where he should be regarding the blocking and also as far as where the hole might be as far as for running. I would like to have seen them run a little more more out of the pistol uh, because that gives the back an opportunity to use his great ability to break to the open seam. But at least they were doing something different offensively, and they took advantage of some of the other receivers. But I'm always afraid that if London gets hurt, if they don't develop some of their other receivers, what's their offense as far as in the passing game? But I saw them start to throw to the other receivers, and I think that brought a little confidence. There are other great receivers on the team that aren't getting their turns, but that's basically the way it goes. As far as the running backs are concerned, they got some yards, and... uh, Ingram uh, built some confidence. Uh, I, I, I don't really see the burst there at the, uh, at the back's position as far as getting in the open and breaking it and go all the way. I'd like to see them run some quick screens and some things, too, off of their passing game and let these backs spread the defense. But uh, I thought they did a good job with that on the defensive side of the football. Finally, I saw Drake Jackson. And, by the way, uh, uh, have fun playing football. He wasn't dancing with the stars. I mean, they put him outside there, and they let him come after the quarterback, and he caused havoc. He didn't get there every time, but he got there, and the quarterback knows he was coming, and I tell you, that's what it's all about. And why do you think the big guy in the middle had two sacks? Because he forced them back up inside to those guys, and that's exactly what I've been talking about. I like to see Foreman in there. Foreman's going to have to learn. He played a lot. He's going to have to learn how to not just power rush, but dip his shoulder and do a swim technique, swim technique and different techniques as far as on the other side. And you'll have two great defensive ends running to, run, rushing the quarterback, which is something you need to do. The linebackers had better action this week as far as making tackles on the line of scrimmage. And again, you know, the secondary is the secondary. They, they play as well as they can. They have to miss tackles. But I, again, uh, I thought Jackson did a good job, I think. Uh, these kids are in, improving as they go as far as what they have to face. But again, the, the guy throwing the bullets uh, isn't really a passer and a great athlete back there. The poor kid, I mean, uh, he's, you know, he's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing in the Pac-12. Nothing against him, but, you know, I would think that uh, you could get a better quarterback at that level. But as far as uh, the game was concerned, they scored in all quarters. Uh, they came back. They were happy in the locker room. They were singing the fight song in the locker room. They were giving game balls out in the locker room. And that's what it's all about. It's all about celebrating and feeling good about what you've done today. 
I even saw, I thought Mike Bone was even in the locker room too, cheering, because that was a big win for him. He used to be the athletic director at Colorado, so I'm sure he went back, went out to dinner with some of his friends on Friday night and celebrated the win. So it was a big weekend uh, for the Trojans, but I think this coming weekend is a huge weekend for them, Ryan, because they got to have something at home that gets the fans excited. They can't come in and stink it up in the Coliseum. They got to come, and they've got a Utah coming. A team that's not a great football team, a team that struggled. They lost their quarterbacks, and so on. That's the only thing that scares me. Is they've had a week off, so you don't know if they're going to change many things. But they've got to have a big win. They've got to be able to come home after a victory, get the fans fired up, have the fans stay. A five o'clock kickoff where people can tailgate all day. They can stay afterwards and tailgate. And, and have a big victory, you know, a 35-7 to 7 victory over Utah and so on, gain a lot of confidence, and get a positive mode on campus and around Southern California. So, you know, that's the way I quickly evaluate it, and I'm sure we'll get into other questions that you have and other people have. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to unpack there, Coach. But I would start with, um, you know, you've done this for a while. USC getting embarrassed at home by Oregon State, a team that just beat, you know, Washington. They look like a legit team. Stanford just beat Oregon. They look like a legit team, but still the embarrassing way to lose those games at home. Uh, you know, not, not exactly what USC's fan base was looking for. And, you know, that's why Clay Helton's no longer the head coach, but you look at this Colorado team. Uh, they set a PAC 12 record going uh, 24 straight possessions without scoring a point. Um, it's pretty crazy over the you know, previous couple of games. Uh, you know, USC defense does well, five sacks, uh, you know, force a fumble, interception, you know, gave up 14 points, but whatever. I mean, it was, uh, the game was out of hand most of the time. What do you take away from this as far as, is this USC sort of like getting back on track or is this just, well, Colorado's terrible. USC has better athletes and this still looks like the same sort of team that we're going to see, you know, like you mentioned playing Utah next week. Well, I think it's a combination of both, Ryan. I think you saw some things that were some changes as far as in the defense, and I hope they continue with that philosophy. Uh, you saw some things on the offense as far as uh, them throwing to different receivers and and also running the football. I'd like to see them develop that more and take advantage of that more. I still think they need to improve in the red zone. I don't think their red zone offense is worth a damn. And also they've got to believe in the short yardage offense. Now, they were successful in throwing – you know, a first or second and one for a touchdown with a great one-handed catch by London and this and that. But, you know, how many times does that happen in a row? You've got to be able to get on the line of scrimmage and you've got to be able to blow somebody out and have the complete offense. And I haven't seen that, and I don't know if we'll ever see that, but I don't know if that's the philosophy of the offensive coordinator. But I think there's pieces missing from the offense as far as the bootlegs, the play-action pass, the the quarterback keeping the ball occasionally, the stretching of the defense, some counter plays to hold the backside. I mean, all of the things that you normally have to have a complete offense, I still waiting, I'm still waiting for those things to develop to be able to make yourself uh, an offense that keeps the defense off balance. So on the defensive side, you know, uh, they've got to continue uh, working and, and uh, working on their techniques and tackling and continue with their philosophy is when you have great athletes let them play football. Let them play football. Don't make them think. And I think when you have great players and they start to think, that's when you have your legal procedures and all these other things because it's called concentration. 
you've got to be able to concentrate on what the play is and know exactly what you're doing. So I think that's another thing that needs to be, as they use the term cleaned up, I would use a different term if I was talking to the team and my coaches, but you can't continue to make those type of mistakes and win big ball games. So I think those are the things I think in the future that needs to be done if they're going to beat a Utah team or they're going to beat some of the Arizona State team, which I thought was a pretty good football team. I watched that game in the Rose Bowl. So, uh, you know, I thought that Arizona State just was the better football team against UCLA. People are saying UCLA didn't play a real good game, but good football teams cause you not to play a real good game. So we'll see what happens there. So, Coach, mentioned some of the mistakes. Um, if you remember a couple of games ago, uh, the Washington State game, I believe it was, Dante Williams, he got his first win. Uh, they got that road win up against, you know, up on the Palouse. Uh, USC had five penalties in that game, and he came out and said, that was five too many. Uh, <laughs> now you're talking, you know, big-time penalties the last two games, uh, and you look at what USC did against um, Colorado, even in the win, uh, 12 flags, 125 yards. Uh, it wasn't very good last week against Oregon State either. What's you know what, what are your thoughts on the penalty situation? Because we know that Dante Williams has addressed it. He's talked about doing things, but we heard Clay Hilton do that too. He said, we had a meeting about it or we did that, whatever it was, trying to address it. I don't know if it's just a cultural thing that's going to happen with this team, but it seems to be a real concern. No, it's not. It's uh, something that needs to be changed, whether it's a snap count or uh, the type of way they're giving direction to the offensive linemen. I mean, the unnecessary penalties like targeting and holding and those type of things, you know, those are things that can be corrected. It's a very difficult call targeting today because I don't really believe a lot of it is targeting. I believe it's a kid wanting to play football hard and somebody dipping their head. And unfortunately, there's a collision um, by the offensive player and the defensive player. I think that the the penalty, the 15-yard penalty, is something good. But to have a kid ejected from the game and possibly not play the next half, the next week, and so on, I think that's a little bit uh, overrated. I, I think that no player is going to try to injure somebody, but they're certainly going to try to put a hit on them. And I don't see that coming out of the game. But again, if someone definitely tries to hurt somebody, and, and you know it when it's delivered, and you know when it's not delivered. I mean, uh, everybody knows the difference between that, and, and then that's a problem. But <clears throat> concentration, checking with what your uh, snap counts are, getting the attention, asking the players. Sometimes it doesn't hurt at all to ask the players why we're having illegal procedures. Guys, tell me. What do we need to change? You can't. Do we need to huddle up? You don't know what the snap count or what we're doing. If we need to huddle up, we'll huddle up. Because I'm telling you right now, it's killing us. So if you need to huddle up, then huddle up. There's nothing that they're not a, a hurry up by type of offense anymore. They stand there, they look to the sideline, they get the play. So what's the big deal? There's no big deal. The only reason why. You line up on the line of scrimmage is to, to confuse the defense and not knowing uh, what personnel or what formation, and you don't give them a lot of time to to figure out what coverage to run or how to line up. But actually, are you beating yourself by doing that? If I'm making more mistakes uh, by not uh, doing it and understanding what the call is, then maybe I should huddle up. But there's ways to correct those things, and you have to let the kids know you're willing to help them to do that, you can't just chew their ass out. 
every time they come out of the game. Do you think they do it on purpose? They don't do it on purpose. It's lack of concentration, or there's a reason it's happening. Now, targeting, yeah, I might say something to the kid if I thought it was a definite targeting. And holding, uh, a lot of times it's the same guy. Yeah, I might say something to the guy. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, you know, you've got to be your own personality as a football coach and do it your way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we have uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we jump into questions. There's this guy, Drake London, coach. You'd mentioned him already. Targeted 14 times, nine catches, 130 yards, touchdown. Some ridiculous grabs out there, like absolutely ridiculous. About half the team's targets went to him, uh, 29 total targets. Um for Slovis and uh, 14 of them were directed at London. We did get to see some other guys get involved. Taj Washington caught three balls. Michael Trigg had a couple plus that cool look at touchdown. Gary Bryant had another touchdown. That's three games in a row. Um, you know, threw one to Ingram and the Epps and, you know, they, a little bit. So they it mixed it around some, but man, he just looks like he's on another world out there. And, it, and he makes that great, that great catch to get it down to the one early on. And then he's like, just calling for the ball, like throw me the ball, throw me the ball, good coverage. And they throw him that ball and he makes the one handed grab. It was like a sports center, top 10 uh, play. What are, what are your thoughts on Drake London? Where's he rank with some of these USC receivers we've seen over the years? Well, it's hard to say. I, I think that some of the other great receivers uh, were running different type of routes and they weren't a basketball player playing football. Uh, and they didn't get the ball thrown to them, maybe as many. Now Richard Woods and some of these other guys uh, did. Uh, uh, but I'm talking about different type of routes. So the type of routes that he's catching, comebacks, uh, quick outs, uh, where he gets another four or five yards just because of his size and going forward, a lot of the yardage he's getting is because how big and tough he is as far as fighting forward. And also, you know, some of the high passes, they throw the deep route to him. They put it up there real high where he can uh, zero in on it. And uh, it's either going to be pass interference or he's going to catch a football. It's just almost almost impossible for a defensive back to cover him. So it's hard for me to judge him as far as some of the Mike Williams and other great receivers they've had at USC. But he obviously is a player that is getting it done. They utilize him properly. Uh, they hit him with the quick slants. He has good hands. In most of the situations, he catches the football. He loves the game of football. Uh, I think he jibber-jabbers a little bit too much with the opponents uh, after he catches the ball. I think he ought to get back up and line up and go back and play. But he has fun doing that, and uh, I don't know if it does just nothing but upset the other team. But uh, he, he's, 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 you know, he's a button to possible winner. Yeah. What can I say? But he's a different type of player. He's not like the other receivers like you've asked me about. He's a basketball player. That's, he's sort of like, remember the great tight end of Yates who played for the Gates? or that Antonio played Gates, for the, yeah. Yeah, that played for the Chargers. He never played college football. You know that. He was a basketball player. And Tim Brewster, one of my ex-coaches, recruited him. He was hoping to get through the draft, and he did. He signed him as a free agent, and he's going to be one of the players to go into the Hall of Fame because he's big and fast and had great hands, and they taught him how to play a receiver spot. So it's the same thing with Drake. Drake has uh, uh, utilized his size and his background as far as them utilizing right as far as throwing him the football, so he's excelling. So that's why he's good at what he does. All right, Coach, let's take a quick break, and we will come back and answer some questions. Back in a minute. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Why don't we jump into a voicemail? I'll play this one for you, Coach. This is Richard from Palm Springs. I'll take the victory today. But also, as a uh, season ticket holder and a fan of over 60 years, uh, I've seen three really great coaches, a few mediocre coaches, and two that were bad with that in mind, I only have six words that I want to hear from the U.S. administration and the athletic director, and those words are, we have to get it right. Because if they don't, the merry-go-round is going to continue and continue and continue. They looked good today, but I don't know whether that means that Colorado was that bad along with Washington. We'll know more in a couple of weeks. Uh but I'll take the win, and uh, I enjoy the program, so I hope the administration follows through with those six words. You guys take care. But one last thing I will say with uh, Helton is that he is a nice man, and I respect that. But as the great coach and manager said, Leo Drosher said, nice guys finish last. We don't need another nice guy. Have a nice day and fight on. Well, so I agree with you on everything you said. Uh, you've got to get this uh, this right. I'd like to ask you all a question and see if you have the same answer that I thought of. Now, Brady McCullough wrote an article in the Los Angeles Times. If you didn't read it, you can. It's a full-page ad. I mean, not an ad, uh, an article. Full page on Sunday's Times about Luke Fickle. Now, do you think that article would have run if Cincinnati would have lost to Notre Dame? That's my question. Would that article run on Sunday morning if Cincinnati would have lost to Notre Dame? Was that an introduction to a head football coach at USC as far as being put in there politically or somehow to get that big of an article, that huge of an article? They haven't had an article like that on anybody, okay? That takes a whole page. I think it was... Nine, page nine on the sports page. The whole page. Ryan, I don't know if you saw it or not, but my question is, would that article run if Cincinnati would have gotten beat? And why was an article written like that in the Los Angeles papers when Cincinnati isn't even a local team? There's a reason behind that. So I give all of you that 
thought process that I have as far as that that type of uh, you know uh, thought as far as the number of children he has, how he grew up, his brothers. I mean, it's a whole family history. Why in the Los Angeles Times after they beat Notre Dame? That's what I'll say, and I'll end on that. All right. Uh, well, thanks for the question, uh, Richard. Let's go to uh, Mario in Tucson. He says, appreciate your podcast. I was listening to Coach Harvey Hyde and Ryan Abraham. A lot of problems arise from not being under center. Even Tom Brady gets under center and makes a touchdown. Thanks from Mario. Well, you know, we've uh, addressed this many, many times, and I think Ryan and the uh, media people have asked Graham Harrell that question, I don't know, once or twice or whatever, but he doesn't really answer it very happily. He just basically says, we don't do that around here. There's no explanation why or whatever. It's just like you're challenging him when you ask him why or why not. It's not because we do this or we do that or we do something to replace that or whatever. There isn't any discussion on it. It's just a two two-word answer. We don't do that around here. Maybe that's three or four-word answer, but that's all you get out of him and the people have quit answering it. So I have no idea why he doesn't. Maybe you ought to give him a call and ask him because uh, he doesn't really respond to it and he doesn't look like he likes it. Yeah, we, yeah, we're, we, I think we saw a couple snaps this year, but that's not really something that they do. And, uh, but you know, we, we don't have to go into that over and over again. Mark from the IE coach. I have one question. If you are the new coach, how do you teach discipline to a bunch of guys that don't have it? Well, you know, every time I took over a program, I'd have a team meeting and I would tell them, you know, all of you were not recruited by me, but obviously we hope you're the type of football player that should be at this university as far as being in a position to get an education and win football. Now, there's different football games. Now, there's different ways of doing it. You can try to do it your way, or you can do it my way. And I'm giving you all the option to make that decision today and for the next week or two that this is the way it's going to be around here. There's going to be probably some rule changes, some you like, some you don't like. But they're all in your best interest, and they're all what I think will make us the type of program that will make everybody proud of us all including myself, your family members, your girlfriends, the university, boosters, and the whole thing. Now, if we don't all work together and pull on the same way on this rope, we're only as strong as our weakest link in the chain. So if someone is weak in what we're doing, then you should tell me, and maybe you should transfer. And maybe in the best interest of you and the program and everything, at that time we had to give a player a release, then maybe it's better that you move on somewhere else. But this is what we're going to attempt to do here. This is who I am. This is my staff I introduce to them. I tell them their background. And I say, we're here to be your teacher. We're here to grade you so that every Saturday you get an A on your performance. And if you don't want to study for the test, and if you don't want to get to school on time, and if you don't want to do those type of things, really it's best that you don't get an F at the end of the year, just transfer so I can don't have to grade you. And uh, you're firm. Remember, it's not your. It's easy to be tough at first, but don't be weak and then try to get tough because it's all over with. Okay, can't do it. They get used to who you are, and uh, you can be their friend. But yet you got to understand. You've heard me say this. Don't mistake weakness 
you know, for kindness. I can do, I'm going to, I'm going to be your buddy. I'm going to coach you up. I'm going to know your parents. I want to meet your girlfriend or your wife. And I want to see your babies. I want to do all of that. But when it's time to play football, this is what I'm about. And I expect you to follow all the rules and regulations and give me a hundred percent effort on, on everything we do. And don't ever embarrass yourself with this football team. And uh, when we were coaching at UNLV and other places, I had a flagpole put up. And the American flag was the top one. And I had a rebel flag made because we were the rebels. And I had that underneath it. And I told them every day when that flag's up, everybody that drives by this school knows the rebels are practicing. And, I, and every day when we practice was done, we took the flag down. We're just letting people know we're here. We're working hard to try to get it done. And I wanted people to understand that, that when you're on the practice field, hey, this is our lab. This is where we do our surgery. This is where we learn how to get it done on Saturday. And I was very strong on that. And I had some great players leave because they just could not adjust to that, okay? And they went to other universities, and we played those universities, and we beat those universities. And I'm still friends with those players. It just they had a different philosophy. They did it a different way. They wanted to wear their shoes they, any way they wanted. They wanted to leave their shirts out. And uh, you're just not going to do that. We're all going to be one. Yeah. We're going to do it the same way. And uh, if you let one get away with it, you got to let them all get away with it. Yeah. So you can't do that. All right. Here's our next voicemail, Coach. Hello, Don Archie from Upland. I was not impressed by the play of the USC football team. You must remember, USC opened the season with a win. But what did they do the next two games? I say don't get excited about beating lowly Colorado. Why didn't they play like this and beat Stanford and Oregon State? I would like to congratulate Drake London on a monster performance. Also, Keontae Ingram on a solid rushing performance. The problem is that the discipline play is not what should be what it should be. Way too many drive-killing penalties. The tackling is atrocious. I'm not convinced that this team is a very good football team. Well, there's one of the great ones, Don Autry. He's one of the great ones, Blair High School, uh, you know, all everything in football, played in the backfield with some of the best players that have gone to UCLA and all over the country. I mean, Stanford, everywhere else. And he knows what football is all about. And uh, I think that I, I appreciate his opinion, and I think he knows what he's evaluating. And... Uh, yeah, I think he played in the same backfield with James McAllister, Kermit Johnson, Eugene Jones. I mean, really some great Forty Martin. I mean, he played with some great players at Blair High School. And uh, I think if I remember correctly, he went to Kansas. There was a great quarterback there, a running type of athletic quarterback. I don't know what he'd have done today in today's offense. Oh, my God. But, uh, Donald, you're right. I think that you can't take uh, – uh, you you love the victories, but you got to evaluate your opponent and then look forward to the next and adjust it and improve every day. You yeah. can't dwell on your victory. If you start talking about your victory today, it's too late. You better start talking about Utah because Utah's had two weeks to think about you. So I, I agree with that 100%.
We got our buddy, Sir Eric of Troy. He said, uh, this is for the coach. From your buddy and one-time co-host, Sir Eric of Troy. You remember he came into the studio and we recorded an episode together. He's like, uh, knowing that their days are numbered, are our assistant coaches, such as Graham Harrell and Todd Orlando, working as hard as they should be in practice every week, still trying to develop players and win games? What do you think is going through the minds of these coaches at this point with unemployment looming in the not-so-distant future? Thanks for the insight, Coach, and thanks, Ryan, for always keeping us informed. That's Sir Eric of Troy. Well, I think you could answer it yourself. You know, they got families. They know they're not going to be back at USC. A new coach is going to bring in his entire staff, clean house. At least I think they will. And uh, maybe only Dante Williams will be the only coach that they may uh, remains there. Uh, so it, what would I was to tell you? When I, you don't believe they're looking for jobs? You don't believe they're talking to all their friends? You don't think the first call every day is to the friends on what do you hear, what's happening there, uh, who's going where, all of these different things? That's the first call every day is when they get in the office and they do it on the way in the office, calling their friends across country. Because uh, if you were to put football coaches in the CIA, we know what everybody's doing. Because they know the movement that's going on. They know the rumors that's going on. I can call football coaches and they'll tell me what they think's going on at USC because of movement they've heard from other people. I mean, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. These coaches every day are looking for positions or looking for the future. Some of them will have another year on their contract, so that'll give them more time. So they're thinking about maybe going down and working with Nick Saban and let SC play, play their salary or go down and be with Kirby Smart and let SC pay their salary to rehab themselves and be ready to go again. If you're not looking for a job, then you're going to catch yourself around the holiday season really in trouble because that's when it's all going to happen. But you might not be going to a bowl game. And uh, if I was USC, I don't know if I'd accept a bowl game, depending what bowl game it was. As far as, you know, because the coaches need to move on. Everything needs to be done. You need your new staff in there. You need recruiting for the National Letter of Intent. But you said it the way it is. Every single day, these guys are looking for jobs. And I would say it's not just, I don't think that they would stop performing because this is really an audition too, right? Like, you're oh, going to yeah. get a better no, job if you perform yeah, They're going to coach. Yeah. They're going to coach, but they're going to call around. They're not, don't sell, you know, don't believe they're not uh, looking for a job. No. No, yeah, they're definitely going to be looking around, but um, I, I wouldn't say they're going to like throw in the towel either because this is still. No, you know, no, I didn't say they're going to throw yeah, in the towel. I think the question, I think Eric was just sort of like, oh, are they going to. No, 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 yeah. no. They're not going to throw in the towel because if they threw in the towel, they wouldn't get another job. Yeah, that's the problem. Here's another voicemail for you, coach. Hey, Ryan, it's Curtis from Moreno Valley. This is for you and the coach. What do you guys think about these teams? Like you said, Ryan, there were going to be some stubborn teams that go man defense against our air raid, which is pretty much certain death. They do that so they can blitz people, but we must have been able to run against that. That was not a soft defense. If this man, they were blitzing, and we ran on it. That's a good sign. But we ain't going to see much more of that. Do you think Utah will be stupid enough to go man coverage on Saturday? Curtis from the Rainbow Valley. Uh, they were uh, the last time. you got to help Coliseum, me a little Coach. bit on that. Coach, yeah, if you, you remember last time Utah ran a lot of man coverage in uh, the Coliseum and Matt Fink threw all over him. But, um, yeah, Curtis really gets, he you know, 
focus in on what the coverages are going to be like. What do you think USC is going to see for Utah? Will will they drop a bunch of guys in the zone and, and sort of make USC run the football? It seemed like USC did a pretty good job when Colorado backed off. They ran the football pretty effectively, but obviously this Utah front's going to be different. No, they're going to they're going to cover with zone, obviously, because they're going to force again USC to run the football and see if they can run the football against. Utah's defensive front. Uh, I would think that uh, Utah's defensive front is probably a little bit more physical than what Colorado's is. And, uh, you know, everybody knows that USC wants to pass the ball before they run the football, okay? So they're going to take that away. And will he run the football that much to beat you? And will they get enough yards to beat you? They get three yards and two yards and five yards. He can throw the ball. He's going to throw the ball no matter what the down-distance situation is. If he throws it on first down, it's incomplete at second and ten, okay? He's going to throw it when it's third and one. Uh, so he's going to throw the football. It's uh, like 31 flavors. So, But they're going to make you beat them with the run. If I'm going to play USC, I'm going to say, you're going to have to beat me with the run because I'm going to make sure I cover up on London. I'm going to play different types of man zone on him. I'm going to do different. I'm going to make you throw to other receivers, too. I'm going to make you throw to other receivers. I'm going to make you do things you don't want to do. And occasionally I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring my ends up the field. And, of course, you've got the off-tackle hold. But, you know, I'm going to make you run there. I'm going to make you do things you really don't want to do. I'm going to force you to do those type of things. And uh, that's what they're going to do. And, uh, no, they won't play man all the time. They're crazy to play man. But I would play, uh, I tell you what, they're going to make you run the football to beat them. That's exactly what they're going to do. And if they got any brains at all, they're going to run their quarterback around, run keeps with him, draws with him, uh, spread their defense, USC's defense, uh, do all the type of, type of things, bootlegs with him. And uh, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be or if they even have one like that. But that's what I'd be doing. All right. We got uh, Ray in Pasadena. You mentioned uh, Luke Fickle, um, it, you know, that big win. Uh, Cincinnati got a win over Indiana on the road and then uh, had a bye week and then beat Notre Dame over the weekend pretty badly. He said, so Ray and Pasadena said, the auditions are over. Coach Fickle is the guy. Get the big money people to open up their wallets. What do you think about what Ray said? Well, first of all, you got to get him to move if you read the article. You know, he's got it made there where he is. I think he's making about 3.5. Got six kids. They're in school. You move to California, you're going to have to pay 4 $5 million at least for a house. So, yeah, you can put the big bucks together. And, you know, I look at him as mostly the next coach at Michigan if Farbaugh doesn't get it done. Or one of those schools back there as far as uh, or maybe the next coach at Notre Dame when Brian Kelly gets out. So, you know, you got to look at this. The reason you got to look and say $3.5 million a year isn't bad as far as being at Cincinnati where the cost of living is maybe – one half of what the cost of living here is and the moving of your kids to be reestablishing your family. So I don't think it's automatically done. I think it's a great job. John Cooper in the article says at the top that USC is the top football program in America. And if you know who John Cooper was, he was a head coach at Arizona state and a head coach at Ohio state. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that it has that draw to you, but again, uh, you've got to look on, you know, are you a, a West Coast guy? Is he a West Coast guy? Would he rather be at Michigan? Would he rather be at Notre Dame? Would he rather be 
maybe one of these other programs that are high profile in the Midwest. I don't know. But he certainly is a candidate. And uh, I think that he's a heck of a coach. And, uh, you know, I think he certainly deserves a strong look. Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. We got our buddy John in Oakland wrote in and said, Hello, Peristyle Podcast. After USC's lost Oregon State, it's clear that the whole football program needs to be torn down and rebuilt from the ground up. New staff, new identity, new culture. Uh, Mike Bone must hire someone that's actually done the hard job of building a football program, which includes making mistakes, as every head coach does, and learning from them, which rules out assistant coaches and coordinators. Would you agree? Also, I keep hearing James Franklin's name being put by the media as USC's top choice. He's making $8 million a year at Penn State, which is the equivalent to $12 million in Southern California. I can't see him leaving there for a pay cut. So a five-year contract would cost USC at least $60 million. That doesn't sound like a smart business move, and I can't see Bone making it. Thoughts, John, in Oakland? Well, I think James Franklin does a great job at Penn State. But, you know, why does everyone think he's a great fit at USC? That's his agent at work, okay? There's a lot of coaches around the country that are top coaches that are using this opportunity to get pay raises. Just remember that. You know, they just uh, get the word out. They call the media. The rumor is this is going on or that's going on. I mean, hell, he plays in a stadium with 110,000 people with wideouts. He's 4-0. He wins football games. Why would you move? I mean, he's got a great situation there. And as you mentioned, uh, living uh, expenses there are uh, half or maybe more than that than Southern California. Uh, yes, it's a very prestige job, Penn State, and so is USC. But I don't think hardly that he'd be the answer at USC. I really don't. I think Jonathan Smith would be a better candidate than him because he knows the West Coast. He knows how to recruit Southern California. So he has a relationship with Southern California coaches. They'd be happy for him. All of that, plus looks what he's done. Just back-to-back, he beats USC at home and beats Washington. I mean, that's bad. He's four and one. I mean, and what he's done there in three years at Oregon State, and I'm and there are other coaches. I just threw his name out only because look what you saw his interview in the Coliseum two weeks ago, and there's other great coaches that are out there too. So, uh, as Lee Corso says, not so fast, <laughs> not so fast. So we'll wait and see what happens. We had Jeremy, a couple more quick, and then we'll let you go, Coach. Jeremy in Albuquerque, what is the likelihood that USC names a head coach prior to the end of the season, and how do we salvage the next recruiting class if we don't have a named head coach uh, by mid-December? Thanks and fight on from Jeremy. Well, I think they have to. They have to name a head football coach because the recruiting class is very important. And uh, I would think uh, Mario Cristobal would be a great uh, draw, as I said before. He's already done part of his recruiting at Oregon. I think they'd all come down to USC with him. And as I said before, uh, he's very uh, in with the West Coast and nationally, too. He's a great recruiter, and I think he experienced a weekend that he doesn't want to remember again at Oregon. And I think at USC can win a national championship quicker than what what he could do at Oregon, at USC. So I think those are the type of people you need to talk to and you need to make the change. Yes, you got to make the change uh, at immediately following the end of the season in November where a guy has some time, an interim head coach will be named at the University of Oregon or the University of Cincinnati or the University of something. That head coach has got to come in. Uh, 
organize what his plans are, try to cre- keep the recruits that he wants to keep and, and get rid of the ones he doesn't want to keep because they've recruited the wrong person. And I've had to do that before. I've had to have my assistant coaches call players that the past staff had offered and and tell them, well, the new staff, uh, they're sorry. They can't continue with their uh, offer to you as a football player because they offered the type of players that didn't fit their ability that what they want to have at USC or whatever school it is. It's a very difficult thing to do. But uh, I always used to recruit to the toughest opponent I had to play. And that's what I have to do. If I have to beat Notre Dame or if I have to beat Oregon or I have to beat Ohio State, then i got to have the same players they have. For me to think I'm going to out-coach one of those guys, you're crazy. Okay, those coaches are trying to out-coach people. You don't find them around anymore. They're, they're in coaches' heaven, okay, uh, counting their money. But so, you know, you got to get a guy that comes in, knows the talent, understands the talent, knows what level he needs to recruit at, and go get him. And have staff members that understand it, too, and know where they are. So I think it's very important that that happens and whoever that might be. All right, we got one last one for you, Coach. This is uh, from Skydiver in San Jose. Ryan, seriously, what about Coach Hyde as the new head coach for USC, or at least as a high-level paid consultant? He has done it before and understands USC football. What do you think, Coach? Well, you know, guys, you know, it's nice of you. I really enjoy you (laughs) making these comments as far as my background and knowledge of game of football. You know, mine is just an opinion on a lot of things. Uh, I hardly would think that would go. I don't know if a lot of my comments go over well at USC. I mean, as far as being honest to all of us out there, including myself, and I, I don't think that that would be something they would look forward to do. And let me be completely honest with you. If they can't hire a football coach that knows the things I'm talking about, they hired the wrong person. So they really wouldn't need me as a consultant. So, you know, I think it's in the hands of the administration and Mike Bone and those people to go out and find people that know exactly what it takes to get done. And this is a huge hire for them. Not that I don't take it as a compliment. I'd love to go out to coffee with the new head football coach and sit down with him and tell him, you know, uh, hi, I've been a fan for a long time in Southern California. I wanted to always go there as a player. I wanted to coach there as a coach and this and that. And uh, give him that type of advice. And who knows? I might even know the guy. We'll have that opportunity. But for me to go back and, and to work like that, uh, I don't think I would. Because I don't know how to do things half. half. You don't know me a lot of people. I don't know do things halfway. I'm on a lot of boards, a lot of committees, a lot of Hall of Fame committees. And when I go on these, I take these with a lot of pride. I mean, I do my background. I do my work. I'm not a guy that just has my name on the stationery, okay? There's a lot of people that just puts their name on the stationery. So right now, uh, I don't have the energy level to do what it takes, going in the office early, working hard. And I wouldn't do it because it would be impossible for me to do the type of job I'd have to do. All right. Coach, all right. Uh, well, if you give, if they give, if they gave me a call, I would definitely listen. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> It'd probably be a bump. You know, we could get a little bump and pay uh, doing that. But yeah, <laughs> you got to trust. Like, like Coach said, you got to trust that they're going to make the right hire and that that person knows what they're doing and would have a lot, a lot of the same thoughts uh, that you hear from you know us and other people. But uh, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up, Coach. Great stuff as always. We appreciate you coming on. And, uh, yeah, it should be a big one this weekend uh, against Utah. 
it's going to be a great game. Every game is a great game. Great high school weekend last week with Modern Day and St. John Bosco. That started it all off, and all the great college football games and some of the upsets, you know, and some of the scores out there are unbelievable as far as teams beating teams. How about Fresno State going down to Hawaii? Washington State being Cal. It just continues, but there's two teams out there that everybody knows they're one and two in the country, and you can guess who that is, Alabama and Georgia. Those guys are separated from the rest of the group, I believe. 100%. Uh, all right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.